Give it a shot. It was mine. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? That was like... Monster Mash. Yeah, I was going to say, it was like a goth version. <laughs> What's in the mine? It's in the mine. This isn't a mine, it's a graveyard smash. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Alright, well, uh, as I said in the intro, this is chapter five of our very, very special Lord of the Rings episode. It's been a been a blast to do um we would never we rush these what we would <laughs> never rush these episodes no never ever no we've <laughs> taken our time for sure um so i don't know yeah yeah it's at least introduce the crew tell me your favorite andy circus movie i don't know let's go from uh west to east okay i think i'm the most west uh, oh, yeah. i'm Corey, recording out of simi valley california also known as Kylo Ren memes. Or you weren't even supposed to be here today. I was not supposed to be here today, clerk style. Um, we were going to originally record this on the release day of Rise of Skywalker, but we changed that around, so I'm here. Um, glad to be here. Thank you guys very much. What's your, what was your question? Andy Circus movie? Yeah. Uh, pff, uh, Last Jedi. Ooh. Nice. It's <laughs> a... Uh, so I guess that's your Pat favorite Pat. one. Yeah, this is Pappy. <laughs> oh no, wait, take it from... back. Force Awakens. Fuck. <laughs> well, I was gonna say Force Awakens. <laughs> Recording from Louisville, Colorado. Uh, yeah, he's actually been one of the most predominant spoiler men in history. I'll pull up Brett. He was also on the punishment episode uh, that Stevie did for the Prestige. Oh so yeah, he's been, I forgot about that. Been shown his face quite a bit, and there might be another punishment episode coming after tonight maybe maybe <laughs> so who would be next i'll go ahead and go this is josh from goshen um favorite andy circus movie is fellowship of the ring the one that we are on part five of six today sweet mikey recording from goshen uh if it's not fellowship i really like those planet of the eight movies he's yeah. really good in those those are really good movies Stevie? Yeah, this is Stevie, Indiana. Uh, favorite indie circus movie is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes by Amen. far. That movie is so good. Is that the first one? Second one. Oh. Nice. Uh, this is Brett. Uh, I'm your host. I'm from, uh, I live in Fort Wayne. Uh, since I'm the host, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to say uh, The Fellowship of the Ring and The Prestige. So Don't limit yourself cool. to two answers, Brett. <laughs> All the Lord of the Rings, and then Brett, give us your top ten indie circus. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. King Kong, Black Panther. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's great. He was awesome in that. Um, you know, you're not movies. allowed to hate that movie, right? I know. Is it hasn't been long enough. <laughs> no. 
No, right, still like a ten year wait period. Wakanda forever. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's get going. I got stuff to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So as we were talking, I believe we left off. So they got to the door, and Gandalf tries to flex with this, all this writing on the door, and he's all like, "Oh, I'm super smart." And then he and thinks it's gonna open, and then he just gets flabbergasted that he can't figure it out. And uh, this is more a bigger thing in the books, but like Frodo learned a lot of riddles from Bilbo, so he recognizes it as a riddle, and he says, what's the elvish word for friend? And then Josh, he says, Belloc. <laughs> no, no, no. Melod. Speak friend and enter. What's the elvish word for friend? Melod. <laughs> Something like that. They say melon. They say it yeah. melon. <laughs> they say it really funny in a South Park episode too. It really cracks me up. But I didn't play D and D in high school, and these movies came out, and I've played it since. And I feel like this whole part at the door is like classic fodder for a D and D fan because it's just a door, but like someone has to roll something above a ten to get through the door, so they're kind of stuck here for a while. It's pretty great. Yeah, role investigation for sure. Gimli is suspiciously absent too during this whole time. It's like his cousin's house. He should know the password to the door. Like, dude, what's the garage door code? It's your house. He hasn't been there in a while, obviously. But uh, <laughs> uh, I guess the meat straight off the bone wasn't that good, or else he would have been back. But so while they're trying to get in the door, uh, a little side story is happening. Uh, I think it's Mary and Pippin are throwing rocks. One of them, and. Uh, Aragorn just grabs his hand and he says something like, don't disturb the water because the water's bubbling. So they go inside and they start crunching on the ground and it just turns out they're like in a graveyard of bones. So everyone runs outside and then what, uh, Mikey, what happens to uh, Frodo? Uh, Frodo uh, gets grabbed by a Cthulhu-like creature, uh, like a giant <laughs> Kraken or something in the scummy pond and he's about to get eaten and Aragorn and Boromir are hacking away at uh, all of his different arms to kind of drop him from his grip. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, they finally get, this is kind of like, they they get Frodo and they run into the mine and then the little Kraken Hydra mix knocks all the rocks down. So it's like it's Gandalf's worst fear because he realizes he has to go through the, the mine, mine, and we don't really know why yet, but uh, he's pretty scared. So, um, don't you think that's great, Brett? Like Gandalf is afraid. Yes. So just intrinsically, intrinsically as a reader or viewer, you are just like utterly terrified. You're like, by what it. could he possibly be scared of? Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I I love that because they're, I mean, they're like in a blizzard on a mountain. The mountain's trying to kill him. Um. And then, well, I guess in the movie it's Saruman's trying to kill him, but and uh, you know he chooses that over the mountain, the so mine, because does, he's so does scared. Gand- does Gandalf realize that Shadow and Flame are like down there? Like, does he know about what happened to the dwarves? Or not no, for he sure? know, I think he's. I don't know about all that. I don't think so. But he definitely knows that what kind of creeps below down there because. Um, it's just way side lore, but 
the Bal the Balrogs all took Sauron's side, and then when Sauron lost, they all like the ones that survived all went under the earth, and they kind of started creeping back up because they were less scared. Um, when Sauron was getting powerful, and I think he just knew that he knew that there was one down there, hmm. and he didn't want to be anywhere near it. So who would win, like the Belrock or one of those witch kings on the lizard eagle? <laughs> well, what's the midichlorian count, Josh? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, like, uh, well, there's only one witch king, but um, I-, I would choose a Valrog, I would say. But would doesn't, pretty... like, the witch king kick Gandalf's ass in the uh, Return of in the, the mo- King extended in the edition? Movie. In the yeah, movie. Yeah, in the movie. And that's what I read. Actually, someone said that Peter Jackson really, really undersold uh, Gandalf, especially Gandalf the White. That would not have happened at all that's the way i felt too i felt like gandalf would have just fucking handled him he would i mean he's literally probably the second most powerful being on the middle earth at that time behind tom tom bombadil oh yeah okay 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 i'm (laughs) sorry i guess i met people like involved in the war they have tom bombadil is like a different animal is that the guitar player for rage against the machine (laughs) (laughs) that's funny all right uh so that I think I, I think I answered that question, but yeah, uh, he, I don't know. He wanted like, my dad always complained about when he watched these movies that Aragorn's always getting thrown to the ground and stuff. And he's like, he's like virtually untouchable in the books and it just drives him nuts. But you know, it's gotta be some drama in it. So I understand that's probably why they did that with Gandalf. You know, the witch King looks super menacing. He's really awesome. His design is awesome. So yeah. I, I get it. Um, this I think this is the first time we coming up that we have our first extended scene in this. Uh, the Mithril is not in the the regular movie. Did everyone okay? What did everyone watch today? Extended. Okay. Extended. Yeah. So the the I know Corey, you haven't seen the regular one in a long time, right? No, it's been a while. So that that Mithril scene where he's talking, they look down in the mine and all that Mithril's there. That's not in the regular cut. So this made me think that Pappy wish that that had stayed in the theatrical version because it sets up like a really good plant and payoff. And I know you'd love those, Pat. I was thinking about that. Um, you know, I, I think it's enough to get Bilbo showing the Mithril earlier. You're talking yeah. about like how it saves him. And right. Josh. About it too, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. But no, I think it's helpful to hear it again. And plus it just looks like the look on Aragorn and Gimli's face and everything as they're looking down in the Mithra, like even they're kind of looking like, ooh, I can see why someone would uh, want to throw it all away for this. It's kind of like uncut gems when Adam yeah. Sandler looks at that opal. <laughs> That's they risked it all. Yeah. <laughs> we get another good line though. That's like straight out of the book, and they do this a lot in the movies. But when he's when Gandalf says something to the effect of. Uh, Bilbo's mithril shirt was worth more than the Shire. Like that's straight yeah. out of the book. Yeah, I love uh, Frodo's uh, wry little smile here. He's not telling anybody that he's wearing like a mithril pajama suit underneath his, <laughs> his t-shirt. He's like, "Holy crap, I'm rich as fuck." <laughs> <laughs> also, where's Frodo? <laughs> Where did he go? <laughs> he, just... he went to Mexico, sold his mithril. <laughs> <laughs> pawn, pawn stars. I can only give you five pints for it. So. <laughs> I'm trying to run a business it. here, kid. <laughs> so then we get to definitely the regular scene. I, I love the confusion. We, we joked about it earlier, but Gandalf's like, I have no memory of this place. I don't know. Like, is Moria that massive in the books? Yeah. So it'd be, like, easy for him to get lost. Like Plus, the- they dug. And that's one of the things that Gandalf 
think Gandalf mentioned earlier, one of the reasons why he was so scared, Pappy, is they got super greedy, especially with their rings of power and stuff, and they just dug and dug and dug deeper and deeper and deeper. That's why it was so massive, and he was super afraid that they were going to wake who you find out to be Durin's Bane. As we enter in the mine here, we have all of the fellowship intact, and I just feel like Mm -hmm. Pappy said chapter three, they come in pints, which was hosted by Mikey, was like his favorite section of the movie, and I think this these mines are probably peak LOTR for me. I, I feel my, like I'm, it's my favorite, my favorite setting in the whole, <laughs> the, I love it. The way it's so deep and mysterious and we do have the whole fellowship in tow and there's humor and there's really serious stuff. It's so epic. And uh, it's literally the last time the fell, the fellowships all together. Yeah. I just feel like I'm going to have to stop myself from saying how awesome it is all through this. No, plot. keep going. I mean, <laughs> well, not to jump too far ahead either, but like I had read the Hobbit and then I saw this when it came out, and I had no idea that Gandalf dies. And when he dies, and you don't realize that Ian McKellen's back, I mean, I don't know if any of you guys had the opportunity to see it like that or if you knew that he comes back, but, like, that's a fucking crazy death to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Brittany a huge... just mentioned that tonight. She was, like, the first time she watched it, she didn't know anything about it and got super devastated. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't have that because when I first started reading, I was a kid, and I read the third book. I started reading the third book. And it starts with a conversation between Gandalf and, like, Mary. And then when I read the first book, I was like, wait, Gandalf's not dead. So I didn't really have the payoff, luckily. But, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he's the – they're super vulnerable without him. Yeah, he's so, been bailing them out left and right for a while. It's like when Charlie Sheen dies in Young Guns and somebody yells out, <laughs> he's our foreman. <laughs> yeah, just, just like that. And the just ball rocks like, like a giant repeater gun. <laughs> it's a New Mexican standoff. Maybe Gandalf like could have gotten up when he had like the fire rope around his ankles, and he's like, "No, I'm sick of carrying all you lazy bastards. Time to go." Let's what? not hop. Let's not hop ahead too far. Okay. I was gonna comment on that, but we'll come. We'll back. get to that. Bring right. it back, Corey. <laughs> uh, just some quick hitters here. Uh, Frodo sees Gollum, and Gandalf's like, "Oh yeah, he's been following us for three days." And there's a whole speech about, you know, he hates and loves the ring, just like he hates and loves himself. And the whole pity, um, Bilbo took pity on him, and that ends up obviously being a huge factor seven years later or whenever it is. It's a pity Bilbo didn't kill him when he had the chance. Pity. It was pity that stayed Bulbo's hand. Many that lived deserved death, and some that died deserved life. Can you give it to them, Frodo? Do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. Even the very wise can see all ends. My heart tells me that Gollum has some part to play yet, for good or ill. Before this is over, the pity of Bilbo may rule the fate of men. Is there a reason they're keeping him alive? Like, why doesn't Legolas just put two arrows through his head? Did you not hear everything Gandalf said? <laughs> yeah. His whole speech is like... Just put him down. Just put him down. all about pity. Old Yellerim, seriously. Case closed. <laughs> He's not living a, a good life. He's miserable. No. Just put him down. Hey, but they needed him at the end. 
they needed him so badly. He got them into the mine, into Mount Doom, and then Frodo was gonna like peace out, and inadvertently, oh, I guess who's jumping ahead now? Um, <laughs> everyone dies at the end, guys. It's a bad. Okay, so um, this is like the first time you see that Frodo starts to feel like the emotional burden of the ring. Um, he's like a long way f- away from feeling the physical and the uh, mental burden of it, but. You know, he has that line, I wish the ring had never come to me. And I'm just like, every time I'm like, yeah, no duh, dude. But, you know, he starts to crack just a little bit. Um, doesn't really affect him like it's affected some other people in the past. But uh, anybody have any thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> uh, well, does is there like a, a theme of like destiny? Is it like foretold that Frodo is going to be the one to do this? Or is it just bad luck on his part? Because I don't know how Gandalf is like giving him motivation of like to keep going. Gandalf is just like, you're the guy. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> and he makes it seem like it was fate. I mean, Gandalf does make it seem like that. He's just like, you know, Bilbo was meant to find that and it was meant to give it to you. And so I don't know. I, I mean, Galadriel can see. I think it works better than like most Hero's Journey setups. Because like rather than having like a higher midichlorian count or like, you know, being the one who was born like Harry Potter, it's it's just kind of chance that it ends up being this Hobbit and it works out for the best. You know what I mean? I like that it's not like, like, why is Neo the one? You know what I mean, Stevie? Like, and this is just kind of like, we know why it ends up with Frodo. It's just everyone kind of shrugs their shoulders at Frodo and they just go, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sucks to be it. Chance that Harry Potter got it. Got like, it. so pure of heart, too. It's like, well, we really lucked out with this guy. He's not a selfish jerk. Yeah. Just keep carrying the ring. Yeah, thank God he's not three feet taller. Yeah. He'd do some damage. Uh, so then Gandalf all of a sudden disremembers, and he disremembers, and I don't know if it's kind of a, a moment of levity. Oh. that way. He's remembered. No. But the air doesn't smell so foul down here. And then we get to the first part of actual tension uh Gimli just kind of goes no and then he he runs over and he discovers the tomb so this is always one gives me goosebumps every time is when Gandalf starts grabbing the book he starts reading the book and he's talking about the drums and at the very end he's like we are trapped and he's like they are coming it gives me goosebumps every time I think I have a I think I have a Stevie question in here because they're reading like Balin's inscription, right? And it's mm-hmm. epic and it's awesome. It's dra- dramatic. And like even his writing at the end, like kind of scribbles off, but he's also like buried right there. So how did this work with them building a tomb, burying him? Orcs have taken this place over seemingly since that happened, right? No, I don't that- ask myself questions like this, Josh. I just appreciate the aesthetic of it all. <laughs> <laughs> He hired a ghostwriter. Well, yeah. He's like uh, the Drake of dwarves. Oof. <laughs> I knew you thought it would come through, Stevie. I think that's what happened, Josh. I think he. I think they'd mentioned that he had died earlier, and he's in that tomb. And then the other people held off as long as they could, and they got to the point where they're trapped. They might even have carried him out in there and put him in the. But either way, uh, a common theme of this movie series is Pippin. He screws up. And he 
touch is something you shouldn't touch. Again, that's another theme. And this big old heavy iron thing falls and some bone man falls down and it makes a lot of noise. It's, it's actually pretty funny. It's pretty yes. funny. Like, he, he keeps like wincing every time it hits something. And, and I know this they, is more of a big dumb movie thing, but Pippin gets the little dipshit award, right? I mean, oh, yeah. he is fucked up. <laughs> he finds his bravery. So many great memes from that moment, too. Like, ones where it's like, me going to the kitchen during the day and it's like just a normal kitchen scene and then me going to the kitchen at night or like when someone's asleep <laughs> and it's like the thing falling down the, <laughs> the chute. I love how Gandalf was so pissed off at him. He's like, throw so yourself down that freaking well next time, you idiot. He's like that throughout. I mean, he's like that in The Hobbit, definitely. He's got a big kind of a, a mouth Is on that him. one of his biggest character differences when he comes back as the white? He's, yeah, I mean, he's still a little... Uh, he's more like a personified spirit when he comes back as the, the white. Yeah, he's a lot more tender with uh, with Pippin when he comes back in ROTK. Yeah, so... It, I would say that's a good that's a good insight, Josh. I, I would say that's true. Gandalf just gets terrified. Again, nobody really knows why. Um, and everyone's... they don't. Nothing comes, and they, they actually have like a visible sigh from Bormir. He's like... <sighs> but then all of a sudden you hear... Like squeals. <laughs> no, there's that you, drum. Yeah, Corey, you're not gonna need to do sound effects. I'm doing all of them myself. So, <laughs> um, this is one of the coolest places where you. This big battle happens. Uh, it's a really cool battle. Uh, Josh, I feel like you do an impression. Somebody do an impression of Boromir when he shuts the door. What he what he says to Aragorn. They have a cave troll. We have a cave troll. They have a cave troll, yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, they he messed it up. Troll. He could say we, but I always thought he said they. He's got so much sass when he does it, too. Like, yeah, he's so like, funny. oh, yeah, like this couldn't get any worse. That's like kind of what he's talking about. <laughs> and this this great little battle, I mean, I, I feel Pappy might find it a little corny. There's some corny parts, but I think it kind of makes it fun. I would like, say the only thing the only thing that didn't work for me in 2020 or yeah, I guess 2020 now is the the jumping. Like I think like when Legolas jumps, Stevie, you pointed out to me earlier that it looks kind of bad. And there's one point where Merry and Pippin jump onto the cave troll, and yeah. I think I think that bit of CGI hasn't aged well. But as far as the action set piece itself, I think it still looks awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. I think you're dead on the like if you even look at uh, ROTK anytime they jump on like the Oliphant and stuff like that, the jumping always looks bad. And I still think nowadays, even in 2020, jumping always looks harder, like swinging and flying and stuff. I Unless it's it looks... freaking Andy Circus doing it. True. That's like almost, a, that's like a different animal. But my take on this whole scene is that it's got to be one of the most fun action sequences ever committed to film. From like Boromir barely dodging those first arrows to they're hopping around yeah to the end like how much happens during it the cave troll is one of my biggest memories of seeing this movie as a kid Mm -hmm. and it also it's like the it shows how like strong legolas is uh when he i love like when i know it it's it gets corny when he jumps on him but i love when he traps the chain just to show how strong he is that's really cool i don't think it's corny at all i think it's awesome I don't mean corny. I meant um, uh, it looks bad. I, I don't even think it looks bad. I mean, I, just watching it again today, I was just watching it on an iPad. And it's like, 
wow, how did they like future proof this to not look like <laughs> shit? It's all, it's almost twenty years later. But that's how it was when I watched Jurassic Park uh, recently. I was like, man, this stuff still holds up. It's really cool looking. Yeah, uh, and, and then Legolas is like on top of the troll and like shotguns him in the head with his bow. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so then there's some uh, kind of Aragorn saves Frodo, and, and then but then you have like. A massive, massive O face from Frodo. Um, <laughs> I actually told Brittany, I said, uh, you know, a joke we've been making on this these pods is about Frodo's O face, and she said, yeah. And then when they show him again, she goes, oh, she tipped her head back and started laughing. She goes, that's all I can see now. I mean, it's a big, it's like a long one. I mean, it's like 15 seconds. It's, he's, re- he's relieving some tension. Oh, yeah. It's magnified by the power of the ring so um i always felt bad for the cave troll when he gets shot in the throat what? i mean first it's what? not his fault it's not his fault he's a slave and he's just made that way but it's a weird flex man weird flex <laughs> not flexing. You, you don't think the cave troll has free will you think he was solely a pet i'm just saying he's bred that way oh my god it's come around full circle brett is the most pc one of us all <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, this is when you get the, the the big reveal of the Mithril, even though we we already knew about it, but nobody else did. He's like, oh, that would have would have skewered a wild boar. Yeah, should be dead. Skewered a skewered wild boar. I guess it does like make sense why they would cut the Mithril in the theatrical like cut then because we already knew about it like we knew about it yeah because we knew about it but you for, like it's been a while since they mentioned the Mithril since they're at you know with Elrond and Bilbo so I guess it would make sense to not to uh, bring attention back to it since it's such a big reveal when you think he might have died yeah Mithril do you really need a Frodo fake death here for the scene to be great though. I don't think so. Oh, so a Chewie fake death in Rise of the Skywalker is great, but a Frodo fake death in <laughs> Lord of the Rings isn't. I see. Okay. Well, it is Frodo's second fake death, so. Happy, don't compare that series with a good one like this. To Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Apologies. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, we're out of the woods, and then like a thousand hundred thousand more orcs come and Brett you kind of see this flame in the back go ahead Josh I I think uh, sorry to interrupt as much as I've been gushing about it this is my one note like all those orcs that come I just wish there wasn't so many like it makes it so there kind of has to be some duix machina sort of thing after it like yeah I don't know it's just kind of over the top I guess yeah I agree but I think they wanted to show how scary again i think it goes to what you were saying earlier about this is like ten thousand orcs that are scared of something there what could they possibly be scared of what could gandalf possibly be scared of i I mean i'm with you it's not super necessary they could have shown a balrog anyway but i think that maybe was what they were going for but also they wanted to mess around with the cgi so it looks cool so uh like, what kind of economy was producing enough food underground to house this many <laughs> legions of orcs? I was just wondering that. Are those Bre- are those orcs agents of Sauron? Are, are those, like, official orcs on his business? Or are they... I don't... 
No. I don't think so. I mean, they're not. Okay. I think they're just... Uh, I never thought so, but... I mean, they had nothing to eat but moldy, stinking bread for three whole days. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, Pat. I, don't, I think I'm with Corey here. I don't think it is. I think they're just random. I think there's orcs everywhere. No, they go into it more in the books, but there's, like, different sects of orcs and, like... Um, these ones, I think, are not under Sauron's orders. So, yeah. The I'm sure they no. would join him in a heartbeat, though, if, they, if it came down to it. These guys aren't from the, the tree crack that we saw where the I don't think these orders <laughs> top, I don't think these guys are top brass. I think these are much lower. They think they're scavengers. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely not Urukai, uh, Mikey, if that's what you were talking about. No, they're definitely not. Uh, so... Uh, uh, I almost said Dumbledore. Um, Gandalf <laughs> said head for the bridge of Khazad-dûm, and then the orcs flee. And then this is another scene that always kind of gets me uh, goosebumpy is when Gandalf says this uh, this foe is beyond any of you, and then he goes run. <laughs> and I love that. It always gets me. This is never like my favorite part. It looks cool, and it gives a little tension. But when they're kind of trying to get across the stairs. I always, first of all, I always think of Aladdin. But there's one really cool shot where you can't really see the orcs yet, but all of a sudden you see this arrow come out of, of nowhere and it bounces right in front of them. I thought that was a really cool shot, but Pap, do you want to like quickly describe this staircase scene or? Uh, no, we can do, I mean, really quick, I would say this is the first tossing of the dwarf line. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Right? Not the so bird, I mean, not the <laughs> That's pretty significant. But yeah, I, I, that and it always looks really cool with the overhead shots of them kind of running down down the stairway. And I remember being a kid too, that, that shot that you talked about, Brett, where it tracks Legolas's arrow into mm-hmm. the orc's like forehead. That's one of my one of my favorite shots of all movies. It's awesome. And then like it wiggles a little bit. Yeah, it's, that's really cool. And then he's just straight picking them off. They get to the bridge and they're crossing it and this might sound like hyperbole, but to me, I think this is the most ma- magnificent scene of like any movie ever. The scene with the Balrog. It, to me, it's like perfection, and it still looks really cool. Uh, if somebody wants to take that. No pressure, Brett just made it. <laughs> sound. It's my favorite scene it's of my- all time. Describe no, it. I'm not saying it's my favorite. I'm just saying I think it's, like, absolutely magnificent. It's crazy anybody- cinematic, Brad, with Gandalf standing kind of at the center of the Bridge of Khazad Doom, the Belrog, just massive in size and scale, and the way they show, like, the shadow and flame working in the scene is incredible as well. Gandalf uses his sword, right? Like, sword and staff? Sword and staff and ring. He says it during his speech. It's really hard to catch, but he says, like, the wielder of... I don't remember what the ring's called. Yeah, so they're going back and forth, and... Like, when I saw this in theaters as a kid, I had, like, no idea, like, of the books. I just, I mean, this movie was a complete surprise to me, so I didn't read anything. And you're like, oh, crap, Gandalf's going to get destroyed, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and when he does a you shall not pass and, like, breaks the bridge down and the Belrog, like, goes down with it, I was, like, had this huge sigh of relief, like, much of the other part of the Fellowship. And that fire whip comes and grabs him by the ankles. <laughs> to the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Arnold. The dark fire will not avail you, flame of Uldun! 
When he can't pull himself up, or at least he doesn't want to, because he's sick, sick, sick of carrying the other side of the fellowship. <laughs> he's rather to die than keep hanging out with you clowns. You're not doing a thing. Um, yeah, he lets himself fall, right? Yeah, but first with the fly, you fools. He has to go level up off screen, yeah. gain more power. <laughs> I'm gonna go bleach now. my robe. But the part that always stuck out to me, um, like with this scene outside of Gandalf, like dying. Um, only to be reborn is uh, Elijah Wood's blood curling scream. That like hit me so hard in the theater. Okja! <laughs> Dude, does anybody think it would have been cooler if the fight scene would have gone longer, or you think this is just perfect the way it is? Because it could have looked really cool if it would have gone longer, but I think the emotional quickness of it coming and going is perfect. I was thinking about that. Brett, I love when they show them fight in the next movie. It's so awesome. Oh, yeah. But it still probably doesn't compare to what the human mind could maybe vaguely conceive is happening as they fall. Like it it's not disappointing that they show what it looks like as they fight and fall in space and time or whatever. But you, do you know what I mean? Like to try to show that and describe it did Tolkien yeah. do it very well? Like, what did Tolkien even write about that scene? It's they don't. It, it doesn't write that much. I don't believe in like the movie that shows the very beginning of it and then the very end. Uh, Corey, you can correct me. Is it they battle for three days or is it something 10 days? like that? Yeah, it's like I a mean, long time they battle. Like non-stop. it's more of Gandalf recanting it, just like in the other movie. But uh, Tolkien was never really big on battle scenes in these books, in the Lord of the Rings books in general. Like he kind of glossed over the battles. That's where the movies is, you know, spends a lot of time on them. I yeah. think it's just like a testament to Ian McKellen, Sir Ian McKellen, as an actor too. Like all of our perceived power that Gandalf has is basically just coming from his gravitas as he screams. You know what I mean? Like we see him, I'm not trying to rob you or you shall not pass. Like there is one, like I guess, wizard's duel, but most of like the credit we give Gandalf is just Ian McKellen, the way he delivers the lines or so it sounds like he knows what he's saying. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Just he's like in cats. Yeah. Exactly. Whether he's Gandalf the gray or Gus, the theater cat, he brings it every time, <laughs> but he chooses his words so carefully yet his final words that he thinks he'll ever see his friends are again. He calls them fools. He's kind of a <laughs> well, jerk. He's, he's doing it so they could get away. I mean, he's sacrificing. He's, 
Like, imagine if he sacrificed and then they just all caught arrows from orcs. They'd be like, oh, well, Was the was line, waste. fly you fools, in the book? Yes. yes. Okay, awesome. And I also used to always think that, like, that whip snapping and grabbing his ankle was, like, just some happy accident for the Balrock. But watching it today, I was like, no, that Balrock's pretty badass. I'm pretty sure he just did that. <laughs> <laughs> They're from the same, uh, like, a- angelic races, Gandalf and Sauron. Uh, they're, like, I believe they're also Meyer, Meyer, uh, Maya. So, um, you know, they're all demigods as well. In the so. Summerillion. I remember no, there being, like, it's... a lot of internet buzz around that line, like, a long time ago. Like, fly you fools, like, what it actually means. I remember people saying, like, oh, he was telling them to go, like, take the eagles directly to Mordor. <laughs> <on the show. laughs> but it's not that. No, he's just saying run. He's just saying get the get the heck out of here. <laughs> All right, man. I Sorry, we got a lot. We got to move on. We got a lot. This is like is this is the first time you see a little bit of Aragorn's like super mission sensitive like he's not very sensitive to the the pain of people is that like the first time is there i think there's a hidden meaning behind it or is he just like being really practical like we have got to go i know you're sad but we have got to go i think he was trying to keep everything together like gandalf was doing i think he like had to step in immediately not let things go awry because he saw like how much of a black cloud this was over the group don't let him dwell on it just exactly keep keep the mission going and Boromir's the one who wants them to like stop. Boromir's the one who's been like, let the hobbits rest for a second. And he's like, you know. Even Legolas, like he has a little bit of defiance, I think, in his face when he he's like, Legolas, get them up. So, I mean, I could be wrong, but. For pity's sake. I think it's fair to say that this could be a mistake in Aragorn's leadership. Like he's not fully the king yet, maybe here. So I like that. And we touched on earlier a couple episodes ago. When he introduces himself to the hobbits, he's not very like friendly then. He's like, no. you should be scared. I'm Aragorn. You should be scared. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> <laughs> they bounce. They finally get to Lothlorien. I have the eyes of a hawk and the ears of a fox. Ooh. The dwarf breathed so loud we could have shot him in the dark. And then like he walks right into an arrow, and I thought that's really funny. He breathed so loud we could shoot him in the dark, is what they said. The dwarf breathed so loud, yeah. <laughs> a lot of barbs so, being thrown. So this is, I haven't seen the um, extended in a long time, and this was like, holy crap, I forgot about all this. So this is a big time difference. Well, yeah, I mean, in the woods of Lothlorien, they meet Haldir and the other elves, and um, I guess Haldir kind of, like, reluctantly takes him to Galadriel. At first, he doesn't seem like he wants to do it, because Gimli's just kind of being shitty, and, you know, dwarves and elves have a rocky relationship, as is previously established. Well, he also says you have a great evil with you, so it's the the ring. Oh, yeah, the ring, too, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, but they do take him to Galadriel. And uh, she kind of, like, uh, talks to him, but speaks to some of them telepathically while talking to the group as a whole. You can kind of see, like, Boromir, like, nervously yeah. sweating and Frodo's kind of panicking. Dirty. Like, no, he's not nervously sweating. He's, like, just died inside. Like, that was pretty harsh what she did to him. 
What is it that she did exactly to him? I think she shows like uh, him a vision of. He mentions it later, um, but it's the thing about his dad and how the his rule is failing and how the city's gonna fall. Um, he just pretty much touches on like we talked about it in previous episodes. Like Boromir is the most mentally weak um, because he's had the most to deal with. I I got a question. Why is she doing that? Is her intention? She's a troll, Mikey. I don't think she has... I don't think it's for good or for bad. She's just like one of those people that's like, I'm going to tell you what... I don't She's care chaotic, if it makes neutral. I don't care if it makes, <laughs> how it makes her feel. I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I say it like it is, so no, I think that's what she's doing. Stevie's on to something. He, she knows Boromir hates trolls from the previous scene. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just trolling him. <laughs> Just trolling. The cave troll did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this is my least favorite part of the whole movie. I'll be honest. I think it's like the most boringest part and i don't really i mean it's just another like like what really comes of it like she gets offered the ring she turns it down and then there's nothing like really advancing the story here maybe i'm wrong to be like a breather from like all the big crazy shit that just happened in like moria and even before that like okay time to take a breath and then we'll pick up the pieces for the last act kind of thing. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, they're they also get some... safe for the first time in like an hour. Yeah. This is a mm-hmm. save point in the game. They just yeah, had yeah. four Check minutes point. of running and running away from a ball rod. And fighting <laughs> Mikey, now they're, is a they're like going to the store. They get some power ups. They get some yeah, they, spread they, and they, some clothes. It's like that scene where you start collecting a bunch of ammo and weapons. Cause you know, you're about to like meet hell at the next level. This is what that scene is. <laughs> It's yeah. like, oh shit, there's a save point here. It's about to get really hard. <laughs> it's about to get terrible. <laughs> Pappy and I talked about this uh, a few weeks ago. He told me he doesn't like the Galadriel part, which I actually love. And I, I think you'd have to know a little bit about the the lore of the ring and what it does to people to like appreciate it. But um, I like it. And it, it might not advance the plot that much. It serves uh, Frodo's character pretty well, I think. Yeah. Especially, well, the, well, I mean, the, the mirror. The mirror is important too. Yeah, the the only reason to even show these scenes is for Frodo, because otherwise it serves no other purpose. The bad people wanted the ring for themselves. The good people, like Gandalf, he's like, "Don't offer me that." Uh, Elrond wanted nothing to do with it. Um, it's kind of just they all know, and then like she takes it the furthest. Mm-hmm. She she foresees what she thinks will happen if she gets the ring, and. Uh, it's hard to say Tolkien's ever really clear on anything, but he wrote a letter. I think it's letter 243 or 246. It talks about what she thought she saw in the ring. She saw herself becoming, beating uh, Sauron, uh, being beautiful queen. Everyone loves her, but the point of that is the ring makes you think that. Mm-hmm. Was that in the New Testament or the Old Testament? Uh, it's the unwritten testament of the <laughs> Gospel of Tolkien. Uh, you should read it. It's really good. Um, get your, go to your local library. Um, so, but she realizes that the ring makes her think that, and so that's her big test. She looks like evil Katie, Kate Hudson. If you go back, to the book. <laughs> looks exactly like Kate Hudson. He always has. I do like that line though, where she like says she passed the test, and she kind of has that Gandalf encountering the ring moment. It's a it's yeah, pretty she's, cool. And she's meager. Like they it said she's uh noticeably more meek looking after that. So again doesn't last because she's hum- more humble. Put her in her place a little bit. 
for sure. Mm. She's like, woof, that god passed my test. Good luck with that soul-stealing ring, Frodo. Have fun with the next two movies. And she does kind of say that. Yeah, you're a ring bearer. So that's about where I end. Um, she does show uh, the Shire burning, and she she's like, oh, no pressure, by the way, Frodo, but if you fail, this is what happens. No pressure. And that's about it. Oh, well, then there's a little bit of uh, Soroman. <coughs> They're like, it's a man flesh. <laughs> and then that's about it. They get some, <laughs> the, the lambus bread. <laughs> Food stuff. Saruma. Saruma. So, uh, sorry I went a little over. Um, but again, I think there's like the meatiest part of the movie. So We're here for it, Brett. Right off the bone. I gave you that meat. I gave you that meat. <laughs> all right it's all you josh you ready for trivia then yes i have great trivia tonight that i'm super proud of uh do you guys want to do the slightly longer one this episode or wait till episode chapter six save it for the yeah. end the longer one okay because that's i mean we will name a lord of the lord of the rings next episode so get psyched for that uh Corey, you're Gollum. You're in last with one. Um, Brett, you're in second to last with three. Mikey, Wait, which character is he? Not a character. Boromir. Oh. Yeah, you're <laughs> Mikey, you're in third with three. What? Pappy. What? Pa- Pappy, you're in second with three. What the heck, man? <laughs> yeah. And Stevie commanding lead with six. Uh, Aragon. So next... The bigger trivia that we'll do and save for next one. A lot of points will be flying around, but this one just has two questions. We're going to have two closest twos. Stevie, you will go first, and I want you to tell me what date J.R.L. Token published The Hobbit. Ugh. Like you're talking about closest to year, month, day, right? That's what you're, yes. you're getting at? Okay. Uh, um, May third, nineteen forty-six. Okay, Pappy. I'll say uh, December, December seventeenth, nineteen forty-five. Hey, <laughs> Mikey, I like that. Uh, um, I'll say. August 10th, 1950. Uh, Brett, in second to last? Uh, I'll say March 26th, 1952. And Corey Gollum. I'm going to guess October 14th, 1942. You all overshot it it's 1940s or 1937 wow september 21st uh. 1937 so uh it looks like stevie 1941 or did you say six no pappy has it he said 45 no Corey has it. I he said 1942 oh yeah so yeah. Corey, you get three points so so the golem gets the big advantage right yeah it makes sense right we have a second question <laughs> coming up 
so just wait a second. Brett, you did get negative one point, speaking of you, so you're <laughs> you're down to two. You might be the golem. No. <laughs> oh, sweet. I get the, the I get the big advantage then. Steve, Brett. Shia! <laughs> Peppy, you're up to five. Stevie, you're still in the lead with seven. So the second right. question is, instead of doing like the month year thing, I'll just go number of years. How many years after that was Return of the King released? Years and months. So Corey, you are first on this one. That would be uh, 12 years, three months. Brett? Oh, no. Uh, 10 years, one month. Okay. Mikey? I'll say five years. Pat? Uh, I'll say 15 years. And Steve? I'll say 16 years. That's a good guess. It was 18 years and one month. You get another points. You are at 10. Pappy, you get another two points. You're at seven. You guys are killing it. Um, then it goes to Corey with one point. You're at five. It seems like you're pretty safe to not be Gollum now. So, uh, uh, Brett, you got zero. You're still at two. Mikey, negative one, so you are also at two. It's oh, a gallop no. tie right now. But does Stevie get his negative yes. one? Oh, the geez. ring bear absolutely gets his negative one. Stevie? Hmm. Oh, do I get to hand out a negative one? You get to hand Yeah. Oh, Bubba. All right, who's in second to last? Brett and Mikey are both in last with two. And then Corey's after that with five. Oh, and I can only hand out a negative one? One negative one. All right, I want to see it get interesting. I want to hand it to Corey. What's that? Hmm? What did you say? So give the negative one to Corey. All right, I'll pass it back to you, Brett. Oh, uh, so uh, I guess should we kick it to Spoiler Man? Or is he coming at the end? Take it away. Take it away, Spoiler Man. Please support this podcast. Very non-plus ending. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't wasn't expecting it. Sorry. Spoiler Man. Do, Do something, Spoiler Man. Bye, Spoiler Man. All right, Spoiler Man, thank you for that. That was awesome and informative as always. Uh, this is the uh, wrapping up episode five of this special oh, shit, six, I six a little G. So uh, we will see you next time. Lord of the Rings, of the Rings, of the Rings. The B one, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that was Spoilers.